is the Adoption Law Firm Podcast. Visit us online at www.theadoptionfirm.com. Well, welcome back to the Adoption Law Firm Podcast. We are recording live from the Adoption Law Firm new offices. So how fun is that? Inside view right here. That's right. You get behind the scenes here. So today we are going to talk about navigating foster care, fostering and adopting through foster care, all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of a broad topic. But Sam can handle that, of course. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about, you've been a foster parent, so. Yeah, yeah. So our family's uh, kind of adoption foster care story, we started adopting from Hungary while I was in law school. We adopted my oldest son. He was three years old. So he was in foster care in Hungary. And uh, that was a very educational experience for a whole family. You know, I, when I thought of Hungary, I thought like third world country. No, it's like they got their act together. In some ways, I think their foster care system is more stable than, than the United States. And uh, so he was in the same foster family for the first three years of his life before we adopted him. And so, uh, you know, sometimes I articulate that as we adopted out of foster care. It was an international adoption. We got home and uh, and we became started becoming more aware of the need for caring for at-risk, abused, neglected mm-hmm. children, to use biblical words, orphaned children. Right. Uh, we became more aware of that need in our own backyard. And so we got involved in foster care uh, and we became foster parents. And uh, it was, yeah, it was probably one of the most emotionally difficult things that our family has ever done. Mm. And why, why do you say that? Like, what was the what was the hardest thing about it? Yeah, so I, I think if you look at the history of, uh, of foster care, you know, probably, you know, before George Mueller came on the scene, uh, if you kind of just track Western civilization, there w- really was no organized system to care for these at-risk, abused, neglected children, orphan children. And so George Mueller started gathering some of the orphans off of the street and caring for them in an orphanage. Uh, fantastic stories about George Mueller and his faith and his reliance on prayer and God's provision. So the church churches started creating these orphanages that were run by churches to care for orphans. Gradually, over time, the state really took over that role, um, caring for orphans. So they became state-run orphanages. And so the church sort of relinquished the jurisdiction to care for orphans to the state. And then as kind of social scientists kind of progressed in their thinking, they thought, you know, all children need to be raised in a family. And then so this foster care movement started happening. And, and that's really uh, freshly being implemented in some countries like Ethiopia, uh, where they're starting to get their own foster care system off the ground. And so um, I think part of the difficulty um, in in being a foster parent really isn't working with the kids in your home. A lot of them are coming from horrific abuse, mm. uh, you know, broken bones and neglect and malnourishment and, uh, you know, drug abuse. Um, you know, it's not uncommon for the kids that come into care to, to be testing positive for controlled substances themselves, whether because they're using controlled substances, whether their parents are giving them or their environment is just so like the air is so saturated yeah. with controlled substances. But other kids are uh, in foster care just because their parents were, um, you know, they one parent lost their job and then another parent did. And then the, the dad, you know, had a bad night and he, and he drank a little bit too much that night. And then the parents had a fight and and, uh, you know, and then an altercation happened. And then the neighbor called, you know, and those kind of things could really happen to anybody. So. There's a whole spectrum there of why kids end up in foster care, and really the tr- the whole trajectory 
of the foster care system is to be a temporary housing situation while parents uh, get more stable, get stable housing, stable employment, stable transportation, and get some counseling about how to manage their home better. And that's the ideal situation that two or three months later, the parents are doing great and the children are returned to the parents. But I think the difficulty uh, of foster care, what makes it emotionally difficult, is really interacting with a system that isn't the church, right? That a system, right. you know, when uh, you know when the when the church was in its infancy uh, in Jerusalem, and um, there was this crisis with widows, right? That was a crisis of who needs the the financial resources of the church, who needs the care, the the time, the energy resources of the church. Um, so the the apostles chose tasked the church hey let's let's pick men that are full of the holy spirit and right. wisdom right so full right. of the holy spirit and wisdom so anytime that the government steps in and says we are going to give assistance to people that's coming out of a good heart right but sure. but to be able to wisely discern how to care for people how to love for people what people are in need of resources and what people should uh shouldn't have those resources cuz they're just going to use them to their own hurt that takes people full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. And mm-hmm. so I think that's a difficulty when interacting with the foster care system is uh, a lot of people um, are, are working social workers, you know, resource managers um, that are really struggling um, with, with just seeing brokenness all the time. Yeah. And so interacting with a foster care, even in that, look, I love so many people that are working inside the foster care system uh, to try to make a difference. Um, but you know that that sometimes is is the is the most difficult part is is trying to to care for this child that you love um, and interfacing with a system that's also trying to care for the child but maybe coming from a totally different worldview right. uh, they may be uh, you know totally maxed out um, and uh, and and so that that's probably one of the most difficult parts right. That makes sense. So um, I guess in different states, it's different things. Like uh, it's usually done through DHR in some places or Child Protective Services and others and whatever they call that. And that's kind of it's kind of run that way. But but for the most part, everybody has to go through, I'm assuming, classes to become a foster parent and those kind of things and get training. Right. Every westernized country in the world basically has has the same system. You know, France, it's actually a career field to be a foster parent or you get paid a salary and you, you, you take in the children that you can take in. In the United States, there's usually some kind of stipend to offset the cost to foster parents. Um, and yeah, so <clears throat> for the most part, there is a 10-week course. Um, it's one night a week for three hours. And uh, in Alabama, it's called TIPS, Trauma-Informed Parenting System, maybe Trauma-Informed Parenting something. But this tips class is to train parents for how do we love, relate to children that are come, coming from a trauma situation. And that is a completely different strategy, mm-hmm. is loving children coming from a trauma situation. Um, you know, their brain development happens differently. And also, and I think this is, is, is a great point, is how do we empathetically relate to parents who's, who have had their children taken into the care? Right. Right. Like that could be me. That could be I mean, my kids have done crazy things where my daughter, you know, fell off a stool one time in the kitchen, hit the back of her head. And I had to rush her to the hospital. Mm -hmm. And like the social worker was poking her head in through the through the curtain. And it's like, you know, that could have been, you know, that, you know, that nurse could have made a judgment about us that we we were abusing our child. And and so a a lot of uh, children end up in foster care 
And I think we have to empathetically relate to the parents that, you know, sometimes it is because of legitimate abuse, legitimate neglect, right? But still lovingly relate to them. But for Christ, you know, there would I be, I have a log in my own eye. Who am I to, you know, to, to cast this condemnation kind of judgment on somebody else? And so that's part of the parenting too, uh, part of the training. Also, I think it's important also for people to who are thinking about adoption. Like if you're listening to this podcast, watching this video, and you think, I just know that I want to adopt. I know that that's what God has called me to. The general counsel is uh, probably steer away from foster care because the whole system is designed to just be a temporary place for a child to stay right. while the parents get in a more stable life place. And so if you're going into it to adopt, um, probably you're going to get your heart broken, right? Probably right. Because those children are most likely going back to the parents. That's the whole drive of the whole system. And, and probably it's going to be a standard of care lower than what you, what you have in your own home. Doesn't mean it's you know doesn't mean it's it's not an appropriate standard of care. Sure. Um, so I think I think that's important, and, that, and that's one of the difficulties too that parents have. That parents that go into foster care knowing I just want to adopt, and and then there's this emo- emotional turmoil. Now I will say that the way that the laws are written um, in every state, so there's a federal mandate that if a child is in care 15 of the last 22 months in Alabama by state law, we've decreased that to 12. Each state is different. But if a, ch- a child has been in care 15 of the last 22 months, the state child protective s- system is mandated to start pursuing termination of the parental rights. And the only reason a child you know, would be in care that long, 99% of the time, is because the parents haven't worked their case plan. They haven't gotten clean drug tests. They haven't right. stable housing, stable transportation, done the parenting classes. So at some point, there does need to be a shift within child protective services mm-hmm where we say, okay, we're not going to focus on reunification anymore. We're going to focus on the child's best interest mm-hmm. and, and finding a permanent, a loving, stable home for this child. And that is always the first look goes to the foster parents. I mean, that makes sense. They bonded with the right. child. They've, uh, you know, they've, they've been their built, caregivers they've for been that long. Care- yeah. And the science is really interesting. The science shows that, you know, when a child has this this bond to a primary caregiver to disrupt that bond after right. a certain amount of time to disrupt that bond is, is to, to cause a severe trauma, right? Like the building blocks of our emotional development starts with that bond to a primary caregiver. And you see children who have had those bonds consistently di- disrupted in early childhood develop things like reactive attachment disorder, right? Right. And so, um, so we, we need to really, the whole system needs to shift to, okay, the foster parents love this child. They, you know, this child came home from the hospital after spending three weeks in NICU because of, uh, you know, drug abuse by her mother. Um, and so, you know, now it's been 12 months now and the mother isn't getting clean drug tests, isn't, uh, you know, isn't doing the things laid out in her plan. So let's look to the foster parents adopting the child. Okay. So, my question would be: um, Usually, what do what do they do when a child when they decide that a child needs to go somewhere else because their parents can't take care of them? Then does DHR, CPS, whatever, do they try and look for a family member first, or do they immediately start looking in the foster system? Yeah. So the first look is to a family member. I mean, that's ideal. I mean, imagine a world where. You know, we live in a communal family compound and, um, you know, this is, you know, we, we had a very interesting case out of Pakistan 
uh, where this work really illuminated that this was the culture was, you know, the grandparents and the kids and the cousins, they all live in the same family compound. Well, if, if both parents die, well, there's other family members in that compound that can care for the child. Well, because of, you know, our unique brokenness in American society, there's this fracturing of that family unit. Mm -hmm. And so ideally, um, you know, when DHR gets the call, hey, um, the you know, whatever's going on with the parents and these kids need to be picked up immediately. Uh, you know, DHR, the first thing DHR needs to do is look for, is there uh, an aunt, an uncle, a grandparent that can care for this child? And they, DHR makes what's called a safety plan with the parents. So a safety plan is where the parents voluntarily consent to, yeah, this is where the child needs to go. And then DHR maintains the supervisory role over the case. Now, if there is no safety plan able to be implemented, if there are no family members, mm -hmm. then Child Protective Services actually has to go to the court and petition for temporary custody of the child. Okay. And so they have temporary custody or? So the state, yeah. So the, okay. each, each county has its own CPS office. So that county, wherever that the incident happens, will petition the court in that county for custody of the child. So, you know, if it's Chilton County, Shelby County, Shelby County will say, uh, you know, Your Honor, we need we need temporary custody of this child mm -hmm. because the child is dependent and has a parents that are either unable or unwilling to care for the child. Okay. All right. Um, I think a great way um, to kind of land this at the end here is to kind of talk about there's a lot of myths that surround foster care. Mm -hmm. um, and there are a lot of people that when they think of foster care, they immediately go to a negative mindset. Mm -hmm. And I would love to dispel some of those myths. Tell us what some of the the biggest myths about foster care are, and then maybe some things to combat those that are more positive. Yeah. So I, th I think some of the, the biggest myths are, no, I could never do that. No, I, I, you know, that's too emotionally difficult. That may be true. Like nobody needs to get in. We all need to know our capacities God gives us preferences. And so I think one of the biggest myths is, no, I can't do that. Well, maybe that's true. Maybe, you know, maybe not everybody needs to take, you know, the, the, a, a child with severe special needs where they need to have a feeding tube for the rest. Like maybe everybody doesn't have right. that capacity, but I would encourage everyone. And, you know, I put myself in this camp included is man, let's, let's evaluate that. Like what did right. Christ do for us? Like how much did he extend himself? What did he change about his comfort, his right. his standard? Like Christ really changed his standard of living to become and be and be born as a baby, and to to you know the 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 master of the whole universe came to be born as a baby that pooped on himself, and that's that's shocking, right? Like he really lowered his standard of living, yeah. and so um, and he really took on a lot of emotional pain by loving us and bringing us into his family. And, you know, I think, I think there are, if you have other children in the home, I think a wise rule of thumb is don't bring in children into your home unless they're younger than your youngest. Mm -hmm. I think that's a wise rule of thumb. Um, you know, but there's exceptions to that too. I think, you know, you could, you, you know, a lot of children that are in foster care, and this is just the culture with the prevalence of pornography, a lot of children have been over-sexualized. And so I think, think through that and think through, let me, let's put up wise boundaries. Um, right. Another misconception is is that foster parents can't hire an attorney to help them articulate their position and what's in the child's best interest. Unfortunately, and and, and this is always trying to be corrected, you know, by I think people at a higher level within CPS. But sometimes social workers will almost intimidate foster parents, like, "Hey, no, you can't. If you go hire an attorney, we're going to take that child out of your home." Right. Um, you know, as an attorney in the legal field, that really gets me riled up because <laughs> you know, like. 
uh, somebody that's an undocumented immigrant or an illegal immigrant, if they, you know, shoot three people in broad daylight, they're legally entitled to an attorney, but to tell a foster parent, you can't hire an attorney to help you uh, articulate your view of what's in the child's best interest is really just nonsense. And so sometimes, you know, the, the foster parents relationship with child protective services can be adversarial in the sense that, you know, if the child has been in their home, you know, if the child came to their home since an infant and the child's been there two years and for whatever reason, DHR hasn't done TPR. And then this family member comes out of the woodwork that hasn't been involved at all. And if CPS is trying to move the child to this family member, totally disregarding the child's best interests and the trauma that will happen from the se- that separation. Like right. sometimes foster parents need to have a, hire an attorney to help them advocate to the courts Absolutely. within that system in, in, in the most non-volatile way. Like right. I think it's really important uh, to try to seed the soil with, you know, and this is just Christian conflict resolution principles, you know, Matthew 18 stuff mm-hmm. is, is, is how do we try to resolve the conflict in a way that, um, it has the least likelihood of, of throwing gasoline on the fire, right? Like we want to, you know, to uh, appeal to people, you know, the, what does it say? Uh, um, the poor, the rich person speaks harshly, but the poor person speaks with entreaties. And so right. I think there's this sweetness of speech that increases, you know, some people think of, well, when I hire an attorney, I'm going to hire like, I don't know, the Alabama hammer, like the, the tiger, you know, right? Like, and that's just not our method to be argumentative or something like right. that. Right. No, no, no. I mean, I mean, my best case scenario is is if I'm able to help resolve uh, the whatever the situation is with foster parents and 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 DHR is moving in the wrong direction. If I'm able to resolve that just behind the scenes, mm-hmm. just giving advice and counsel. You know, sometimes just having an attorney in the room, unfortunately, it, would it, it just be in a mediator role, just to kind of you know, yeah. this is what you know everybody's trying to say without some emotion. That's right. That's right. So it's it really helping foster parents navigate the foster care system is one of my favorite things to do, because I find that a lot of counties, the foster parents in that county are really uneducated about what their rights are. Like a lot of people don't know there's a foster parent bill of rights, like you're entitled to notice of court hearings. You're entitled to, to an opportunity to be heard at court hearings to, you know, if you're the only person in the room that spent 30,000 hours with a child, it kind of makes sense that your opinion is relevant to what happens with the child. Absolutely. You know, you're entitled to, you know, to notice of ISPs and to be able to participate, you know, and and so there's this foster parent bill of rights, even just as a base example that um, a lot of foster parents are unaware of. And, and um, unfortunately, we get into situations where the county uh, DHR CPS isn't following their policy about giving reverence and respect to foster parents, and so we. we I just I love it. It's there's um there's there's a lot of things that I can delegate in my life, and and but uh, helping foster parents navigate that system is probably one of my favorite things to do. I love that. I was listening to a podcast recently. They were interviewing a foster parent, and um and. She said the biggest thing that gets told to her as an argument against being a foster parent, you know, I couldn't do that because is usually I couldn't do that because I could not let a child, you know, get attached to a child and then know that that child is eventually going to be taken from my home. Mm -hmm. And her quote was my favorite quote I've ever heard about that to combat that. And she said, isn't that the way we're supposed to live life in Christ anyway is open handed? Yeah. Like with our own children, our biological children, same thing. Our adopted children, you and I both have adopted children, um, you know, just that we're supposed to live live life with the open hand because they're ultimately Christ's anyway. Mm. And so if we approach 
foster care and things like that with an open hand and say, they're your child anyway. You could take, you could take my biological child tomorrow, Mm -hmm. God forbid, but you know, they're yours anyway. And so it's we're we're to parent them for a season, just like we are our biological children. And so I just, I loved that. That was like my favorite thing that I've ever heard for a foster parent to say about how they approach each child that comes into their home is that we parent open-handedly with our biological children, our adopted children, our foster children, any of that. Mm. Like we, we parent from an open hand of Mm. they're Christ's anyway, and Christ can do what he wants to with them. And if he feels Mm. like the best thing for them is to go back with their family, then, then so be it. That's, that's the way we parent. And I just loved that. Yeah, every day is a gift with all of our children, whether Absolutely. the old-fashioned way or adoption or foster care. Each day is a gift, and really, it takes a lot of it takes a lot of trust. But I, I mean, I think the value to your family of engaging in foster care, if it's the right time, if it's the right fit, like you know, one of our favorite families that we've worked with is the the Spice family in this small town in Alabama. It's like population, you know, like twelve hundred, and uh, and they have. Uh, I think four older teenagers or young twenties and they, and they started getting involved in, in foster care. Uh, and they ended up, uh, ended up adopting the child that they brought home from the hospital, but it took like three or four years, which it shouldn't take that long, but just their patience, their love, their, their, uh, kindness is, I think it was transformative to the entire foster care system in that County. But, but the point that most comes to my mind is how transformative it was for their older children Right. To to see, wow, look at the darkness and what has Christ called mm-hmm. us to? Christ has called us to love. And and in, in uh, the short documentary that we did on them, one of the older sons said that, uh, the, the, you know, the day before the court hearing where they were praying that the court would decide that the Spies family could adopt this child. He said, that was the first time in my life I ever fasted. And uh, just, Aww. yeah, just to see... Um, uh, th- their whole family and the children that mobilized to do what yes. Christ has called us to do was magnificent. Yes, I love that. So if you guys have any questions about foster parenting or any of that kind of stuff, we love to help you guys. And so we would love to talk to you. So you can call the adoption law firm um, here in Montgomery, and we would love to discuss that with you and, and help you on your journey if that is something that you are considering doing. And um, or if you're a foster parent and you just need some legal help, then we would be glad to help you as well. So thank you for tuning in and thank you for listening to the Adoption Law Firm podcast. We'll see you next time. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to the Adoption Law Firm podcast. For more information on the topics discussed or to get in touch with us, go to www.theadoptionfirm.com.